0: If you have an interest in horses and love learning more about horses, the horse industry, teaching, or even managing your own horse business, then you're in the right place. We would love you to join us on our mission, which is to improve the lives of horses around the world through the education of riders, handlers, and trainers. So get comfortable, listen in, and enjoy.
1: On Horse Chats today, we welcome back Anna Twinney, who's going to talk to us about partnering with our horse and talking about the difference between prisoner and partner. But before we do that, just going to remind you about the vision of International Horse College, which is to have a world where people safely appreciate, respect and enjoy their horses and their horses appreciate, respect and enjoy their people. If you've got the same vision as International Horse College, then have a look at the website internationalhorsecollege.com. Registered Training Organisation,
0: 31352. Now, welcome back, Anna. How are you? Oh, we are good. Actually, the temps have just dropped here a little bit. We've had five weeks of glorious weather, and today the temperatures dropped. And it was perfect, actually, because I've just been teaching a certified holistic horsemanship course, and um, every day was glorious. You sound like you know when the weather gets that little
1: bit colder and the horses are just that bit fresher and a bit more energy. You sound like you've got plenty of energy today.
0: Oh, oh, that's good then. <laughs> that, that's a, a good thing if yeah. I come across that way. Yeah. yeah, quite, quite relaxed actually, but really beautiful five weeks. And it's funny; it's actually the very topic that we have tonight. It's the very topic to go. How do we know that we're actually partnering? Because it's such an in thing, Glenis, to have this partnering. Everybody's talking about partnering, but I wonder how many people are.
1: Yes, I know. Some people are very good with words, but the actions sometimes don't match those words. And we do have to be careful about that. Yeah, yeah. You know, like a lot of times people come and... And they just say, right, we're going for a ride now. So I think your say is, does your horse have any say in this? And um, is that the only time they see you is when you ride? What is it? You know, we need to see a little bit more of each other or, you know, how can we actually listen to our horse? Tell us a little bit about that.
0: That's exactly how I see it. And the animal communication and the natural horsemanship come together really beautifully here. And having been called into several barns to give a voice to these horses, it's always incredible to hear that they they have their life. They have their day. They have their routine. They have their emotions. And these are all things that we need to contemplate. So on one hand, when I look at my animal communication to ask them, how do you feel about your person? And how do you feel about your riding, your trainer, your lifestyle, your turnout? We can hear it from the horse's mouth straight away, which is quite incredible when somebody says, I wish they could talk because they can. But here's another way I want to look at it too, tonight or today, would be when we're gentling the wild horses. And this is where this concept first came from for me. We can either create a prisoner by putting a wild horse in a 12 by 12 pen and call it partnership, or we can realize that they've lost their home, their food source, their families, their freedom. And do we want them to be prisoners or how do we shape this partnership? And so with that in mind, are we going to be the prison warden when we show up? And that goes for the domestic ones too. It doesn't matter if we're looking at gentling a wild horse or a domestic horse. We're the ones showing up at the barn, opening the door, providing them with their feed, shutting the door again, and treating them like prisoners, or are we learning to listen? And so where's that learning to listen come from? It would mean that we're capturing the whisper. And while the whisper may be in the eye, and I should have a t shirt done that says the whisper's not in the horse's butt, the whisper is in the eye of the horse. And while it is there where we could read their emotion, the window to the soul, and indeed how they're perceiving our actions, truthfully, the whisper is in the thought. The whisper is in our thought. And so learning to listen to them would mean learning to listen to the thought, the energetic connection. The nuance, the tiny weight shift, whether or not they're rocking back or forward, the tail just letting you know how they truly feel, or if their muzzle is tight, their nostrils are flared, if their eye is wide, or if it's relaxed. The whisper for me is really the learning to listen, is to realize that the language is made up from body language, energetic connection, and telepathy. So therefore... We learn to listen to the whisper within the telepathic notion.
1: You've given us a lot to digest there. I think, you know, we need to go back and listen. You know, you talk about the whisper in our thoughts. So is it reflected then in the eye of the horse?
0: It is. It depends on where people are when they're listening into the the podcast. So if there's somebody that says it has to be the practical horsemanship and so the practicality is the physical and the scientific based notion, then absolutely the whisper is in the horse's eye. Mm -hmm. And yet, if we go back one step further is the whisper in our eye, it's in our thought. So how we look at the world and what we see is what we're going to see. So therefore, if we look at somebody's eyes, we can catch if they're sad or happy in the emotional response. But at the same time, it's the thought prior. Mm -hmm. it's thought so so if we wait for a horse to spook we've missed the whisper if we look at their eye to see if they're frightened on edge on guard highly alert we're going to see it but the truth is we can see it just slightly before if we're paying attention and for me the listening would be that energetic connection which is within the thought of the individual themselves all right tell us about being present with our horse And this really blends beautifully with it for the fact that if we are not present in our body – So our authentic selves, if we are not present in the current situation, there's no way on earth we could catch that whisper. And so what that means is there's a lot to it, right? We show up at the barn and perhaps we've got to take a moment to breathe. Instead of taking the day with us where work comes alongside or we have stress at home, marital issues, domestic matters, finances. If we bring all of that with us, we're not present. And the horses are masters at seeing whether or not you're present. So one, they're going to look at the nuances of your body language. But the other piece is if we ask them to be 100% present, we need to be 100% present in return. I feel like we can't look at them and go, they're lacking focus or they're looking to be with their herd mate They're not really paying attention. They're a little bit rude. They're trying to get out of things. Well, we can't look at them like that if our head's down and we're looking at a cell phone. Or indeed, we're totally glazed over. I've watched so many students, when they're focused and they're concentrating so hard, you see them not glaze, but they're looking at the little movie behind their eyes. They're trying to visualize what they're supposed to be doing. They're not present. And the horse captures that thought within the eye. So many ways, it would be stay off the cell phone, stay present, don't overthink something, leave the baggage on the outside of the stool or the barn, take a moment to breathe, check in with yourself that you are focused and ultimately connect because that's what the present means.
1: All right. Now, if we go back to the original topic, you know, prisoner or partner, right? you know, I mean, it sounds like we just need to return to natural. Is that what you're saying? Is that going to be possible though? You know, it's all right to say return to national, but I I don't know if you've been in Asia or, you know, some of the, where the horse lives its whole life in a box and it gets taken out, it has holidays and the boxes are so tightly stacked together that they're one on top of the other as in floors, you know, stories, you might have a three story or two story stable block. The horses don't get the opportunity to return to natural. So how can we do that?
0: Great. I mean, you capture it well, right? And in many of our minds and for the listeners here, the closest we can return to natural is better. And it doesn't matter if they were born in captivity or they're out in the wild like you guys have over there. But the more space we have, ideally, right? So let's go with that first. If they can live out in a green pasture and they would have friends, family, companionship so that they could do the mutual grooming, they can trust and rely on somebody that they they have learned the leadership from or learned to trust. So they've got companions there. Somebody stands and watches over them while the others sleep. They're able to find natural shelter. They can forage a little bit, find their own medication and eat and be the trickle grazers that they are to be close to natural as possible. They get the movement that's needed to prevent colics and to prevent wear and tear on the body. In fact, that's what we're looking at returning to natural. I hear you. I've been fortunate to travel to China and Mongolia and indeed Singapore in a number of different situations for the American Quarter Horse Association and the Chinese Endurance Team. And then it was a therapeutic riding barn in Singapore. I saw the beautiful concrete, it wasn't on top of each other, but beautiful concrete with X resources for one of these facilities. And they were asking the horses to be there for equine coaching. Absolutely difficult in stalls all day, They get to walk around the building once, hand walking. There's no camaraderie, no interaction with other horses. Ultimately, they're going to be fresh asked to do jobs in in, an inner city. So very, very difficult. And this is where you're going to get the problems. In the instance that I'm thinking of, that was a colic, 48-hour colic, this little horse was having because she's stuck in a stall and ultimately maybe didn't have access to water. So we abolish or we minimize health issues if we can get them back to nature and health issues would be emotional, mental, physical. So therefore, the more we can get back to nature, no shoes on the hooves. More what they want to eat, organic products, staying away from the grain, looking at the motion so that they can move around, have the companionship and connection so that they are not lost, grieving or depressed. So yeah, for me, the partnership means exactly that, right? How can we call ourselves partners when we deprive them of their own kind? So a partnership doesn't mean in in another world in competition world that we we keep them in one stall and then we're upset that they get friendships so we move them in a different part of the barn or not to consider that when you move them from one facility to another that they aren't grieving or that they have friendships for life etc there's so much to think about for me the partner with me be that we would warn them, we'd let them know, we'd notice who they hang out with, we'd notice what their likes are when they wish to eat and the fact that they need to eat for 20 odd hours a day. These are the things to consider of what can we do. So for me, it's about what can we do? Perhaps mm-hmm. we can't have the wish list, but what can we facilitate? I saw in Asia that the hay was put at the top of the stall in the corner. They were having to reach out like giraffes. And my contribution was to tell them, you've got to lower that hay net down so it's a more natural head carriage. And the explanation behind it that you're not going to have so many horses crippled. And in fact, you're going to win the pole race that you want to do because their heads are going to be <laughs> back and their necks aren't going to be in pain. So returning to natural would mean, what can I do with what I have? And to consider it, to realize this is not natural to keep them cooped up. There's going to be problems along the way.
1: Now, what choices then should we be giving our horses?
0: I love it. I followed, years ago, I followed another clinician who was at an expo stating, if it's the horse's choice, it's usually the wrong choice. And it was a little unsettling to me to have to follow in that person's footsteps and say the opposite. And my piece was, absolutely, we want to give them a voice and we want to give them a choice. Because here's the thing. If you push down that voice, at some point it's going to come out like a jack-in-the-box. We're going to repress them. If we try to control with a bit or a saddle, and we don't look at the source, we're not giving them the choice. So therefore, yeah, we look at the fundamentals, and some of the fundamentals, like stomping on your foot or body slamming you and biting you, and wouldn't be the choice I'm referencing. The choice I'm referencing is to look at what can we do for them to say, could I ride on the buckle today? Because they have the choice to go a different way along the path. So yeah, not all of us have the choice to get out of bed and then turn around and say, I don't want to work today. So there's times where the horses do need to get up and do it anyway. And yet at the same time, perhaps we can look at different choices. Where do you want to be stabled? Do you want to go out? Could you stay out longer? What kind of tap is it you seek? What kind of friendships do you want? Do you wish to be ridden today? Where shall we ride today? How long shall we ride today? So instead of being a linear thinker to go, okay, I've got one hour and this is what I want to achieve today, perhaps we look at it, what can I do for you today? What choice can I give you so that we are working in partnership? And sometimes that means the bitless and brideless, and other times it might be the liberty work. But the change of mindset I'm seeking here would be instead of going down the path of it's me in control all the time, how can I look at it differently so that they can have a choice and when and where and why?
1: All right. Now, so it's really about learning their language, isn't it? You know, communicating. I mean, you talk too about that, about listening, but it's learning their language.
0: For me, it is. For me, it's about going out there and realizing they have a language, realizing that, If we go abroad, you mentioned Asia. I remember I went to one country in Asia and I had a translator there. And so there was a lot of pauses, a lot of reading the body language, a lot of reading the culture. And if we are travelers, we have to educate ourselves on the culture out of respect to for the country and those that live there. And so this piece of learning their language makes us a partner. It changes everything because we can capture the whisper, but in turn, we can speak to them through silent gestures and nuances. And this changes everything. It's like putting your hand out and going, I would wish to shake somebody's hand today. And so you're looking at them to go, I hear you. I'm going to learn your language. It's not complicated, but it is like any other language. If you're not caring about it, you're not going to learn it. If you don't go along amongst the native speakers, it's going to be difficult. You can't read it in a book and do it that way. So you have to get out there with the horses. And one way to learn the language is to observe them in the natural habitat. Another one would be to watch DVDs and educate yourself. And another one is to get out in the trenches in the arena and give it your best shot. The language that I've discovered is body language, energetic connection, and telepathy. There may be more, Glennis. I'm not sure, but at this point in my life and my career and over 30 years into it, those would be the three primaries that they are masters at. And there's nobody better than the wild horses because they're untouched, they're untarnished, and ultimately they're the walking Wikipedia of the language of the horse. There's something that I've heard you say.
1: It's know yourself, and in turn, know your horse.
0: It's everything, you know. It's a bit another big thing that's going on out in the world, where you get the equine coaching programs, and you get big realizations of individuals knowing I, or saying, "I learned more about myself than I realized." Well, that's exactly it. For me, I've just taught the holistic horse course here at home in North Carolina. And individuals will give me different testimonials. Here's one, for example, beautiful 70-year-old woman just left the property today. And she said, I've been in search for 30 years for somebody to help me. 30 years of dreams have just come through in four weeks. Another individual said that it was a basically a, a degree in four weeks. And the third individual said, this isn't horsemanship, this is humanship that you're teaching. And so what does all of that mean? It means that we can either blame the horse and constantly look at buying a new horse because he's bolting and yet again, another one bolts. And here's the third one, what's happening that this individual constantly gets bolting horses, or we can look within us. We can also look within us as a whole to turn around and say, does that horse want to be approached? Am I approaching them correctly? Do I have the right breath work down? Am I giving the correct signals? Am I guiding them, serving them, supporting them? And so the first piece of horsemanship truly is looking at yourself and it's about your authenticity, your alignment. So what does that even mean? It means that the horses can see through through you they can see that whether or not your body language matches your thoughts i.e. the way you're behaving and moving and thinking and if you've got that same energetic connection authenticity means aligning the body mind and physical so the body mind and spirit the body mind and thoughts so this is the piece of you can't really go out there without knowing yourself because they're going to mimic some of your movements. If you stride short, they may stride short. If you're putting more weight in the right side, they're going to put more weight on the right. Perhaps you have scoliosis or one leg is longer than the other. And a lot of the horses have right hind issues. It's good to know yourself physically, to know what effect you're going to have when you're riding your horse. It's good to know yourself emotionally, to know that your horse could pick up those emotions. And it's good to know yourself mentally. What are your limits and when do you stretch your limits? What is fair to the horse and what is unfair for the horse? You know, a lot of this is about the reflection of the coaching. And how the horses treat you can be a reflection of how others treat you and you treat yourself. So in the 25, 30 years that I've been doing this, Glennis, they are incredible life coaches. And no matter which way you look at it on the courses, a lot of this is about changing the individual. And people say when they go home that their husbands and their families are far happier and they see the incredible amount of growth that goes on as people learn about themselves. Now, I've talked about how the horse will reflect it, but you've got far more than that. You're learning about your stamina right? Your strength, your stamina, your perseverance, all of your accomplishments come together when you're around horses.
1: I'm just thinking about someone comes in and you might say something like, release the control. Is it scary for people? Do they say, oh, I'm just not sure if, you know, I want to release the control, but... It is huge. Yeah. Yeah. Because it would be, you know, we we get taught to make sure we are in control because of the safety implications and you say release the control, I'm sure that you would have challenges with people saying that.
0: Yeah, On every front, one challenge might be that you're learning a language, a methodology and not a system. That's one thing. People like A plus B equals C. So when you say to them, well, there's 28 personalities in horses, they all have different learning styles, their history It varies extensively. They're not defined by their history. And now we bring this person to the equation and to the table. And so therefore, there's no formula. There's no cookie cutter approach. They have to release control in order to learn. So that can be a challenge. Look at it another way. It might be saying to an individual who's written little bits their whole life, to suddenly turn around and say, look, the bid is a false sense of security while it could slow a horse down or bring a degree of firmness or even force to the equation. Let's take the bit out. It's incredible to watch somebody feel the freedom and at the same time face their fears. So yeah, There's a lot of releasing control. Now, control could be seen another way as well. And it could be that somebody's a perfectionist. And imagine that when they walk in there and they're realizing that it's not going to work the way they want, that there's going to be some degree of repeat, that they have to release their standards. To let go to what might be, and to go with the flow of acceptance that they too have to climb the mountain, nobody's going to get a trophy for showing up at this point in time. It truly is about putting the work in, and with that it's all kind of control that they're releasing control of the horse's movement, control really of their emotions, control of the outcome. Everything comes together to say. If you want a partner, you've got to be authentic. Show yourself. If you want a partner, let them lead on times. You know, realize that they are survivors and they have pieces that we will never expect them to have. And so, therefore, they're going to take over. And it's okay for them to take over on times because if you're lost in the woods, you want to give your horse the buckle and say, Take me home. And that's the true piece of release the control to realize if all you've done is held them tight and controlled every single footfall, how on earth is that horse going to learn to carry himself? And how on earth is he going to know what to do when there's trouble out there in the woods, right? You've got to be able to release that control to go, you take over here. It's really what Jesus take the wheel. I think I've heard somebody say, well, it's, it's this thing of, okay, my horse, take the reins. (laughs) I'm handing it over to you.
1: Yep. Yep. You know, it's very um, changing emotions as well. So we're looking at changing from dominance into dialogue. Would you say that? Yeah. Mm -hmm.
0: I I think it's a, a huge review for us to look back and I'm not sure about your horsemanship, but I know when I started 25 years ago into natural horsemanship, when it first got the doors opened and the floodgates opened, everything was dominance, and it was about work versus rest, discomfort versus comfort. And some scenarios of that might be, even today, there's a lot of it where trailer loading might be circled a horse outside of the trailer till he's sweating, uncomfortable, and ultimately the only form of release he gets is to stand still in the trailer, which is huge dominance-based. It's flooding, it's dominance-based. It's a harsh way to go forward because that individual couldn't smell the trailer, look at the trailer, face his fears, have it broken down, gone step by step. But instead, it's dominance based, which is flooding the individual, not taking any emotions, any learning curve into account, but instead putting your will onto another. So, therefore, there's a ton of natural horsemanship that is dominance based. Like I said, work versus rest, backing horses up, spurring them harshly, whipping them. And ultimately, ultimately, it's all about let's let's get her done. Let's get her done. And so therefore, the dialogue would mean that one, we have to learn that whisper. We have to capture it. Two, we have to speak in whispers. We're looking at witnessing the try, acknowledging the try, being fluid as we move forward acknowledging the outcome asking versus telling so there's a lot of self-reflection going on here to state what is a whisper and what is an ask and not a tell so yeah for me this whole thing about partnering if you just jump on your horse tell him to stand at the bloody mountain block kick him forward tell him to go left right forward slow stop and then call that a trail ride oh my goodness That's not partnering the way the horses would see it. They would see it to say, I need a rider to go on my back in order to see the world. In order for me to go on a hike, let's go together where you make decisions and I make decisions. And you make the safety ones that I don't realize and I'll make safety ones that you don't realize. And so the true partnership would be exactly that is to not dominate the individual to go, I need to be the leader, so therefore I have to control his footfall. No, let's look at influencing the feet. Influencing the feet to make sure that they are safe, they are soft, they are rhythmic, they're not in pain. Let's influence the feet for evaluation and assessment and for connection and communication and stop influencing the feet so that we're flooding them and forcing them.
1: All right. So we're talking about gaining compassion, compassion, empathy.
0: Absolutely. I mean, that's the bottom line, right? The bottom line Mm -hmm. is to walk in with an open heart, an open mind, and to look at it to realize every horse has had a story, a journey. Every human has had a story and a journey. We can never walk in somebody else's moccasins. We will never walk in a horse's hoof prints. We can't do that. But to Walk in to say, serve me today isn't the ideal situation. So instead, it would be, what can I do for you today? Let me have some compassion that you have a life outside of mine. And you have emotions and feelings and hopes and desires and dreams. And, and you have pain. Pain. Pain of emotional pain, mental or physical pain. So therefore, if you are not up to scratch today, maybe I can consider there's something else going on. Because horses don't just live in the present time at all. They carry emotional baggage. They ultimately would need the the clearing of what they've held on to. They have memories for life. They have emotions equivalent to ours, and none of this is is new that is science and so therefore being in a place of compassion and this is everything from realizing to create a finished horse could take four six eight years you know where's the compassion to realize that if they've been a pasture puff that bringing them into work you've got to build the muscle and so I I think a lot of the time is too that when we have behavioral issues in horses People don't understand that 90%, we've recorded it as 90 now, are pain-related issues. And if they do realize that, they often look for the physical pain, to go back pain, tooth pain, hoof pain, but no, that could be emotional, mental pain as well. So therefore, coming from a place of compassion, opening our hearts to possibilities, realizing that we need to feel feel them a little bit more, and walking the path, walking that path of compassion is really the way to go. Yeah.
1: yeah, is Is your main message then about remembering to live love and have laughter? You know, I sort of think about you and think about, oh, that's probably it.
0: I do. I I look at these people and I guess I gave you the story when this wonderful woman in her 70s said, I've been searching 30 years. And you think 30 years of trainers, be it that they couldn't help or or couldn't see or didn't want to. And I look at everybody that walks through my door that they've walked through my doors because they're seeking help. They're seeking support. And that's what I want to give them is the support. They come here for their true partnership. They're, they're looking for that. They're looking for the childhood dreams a lot of the time. And it doesn't matter if I'm teaching a veterinarian, a horse trainer, an equestrian center owner, a therapeutic riding barn, a rescue, a sanctuary, your backyard owner. It doesn't really matter who I'm teaching. Everybody is equal in their own way. And the equality would be that they're seeking seeking that something that they dreamt of. They're following the call of the horse and they're looking to fulfill a dream, a desire, a hope, whatever it might be. And so, therefore, we often forget, and if you look at certain professions, you question, have you remembered why you entered this profession? Do you remember why you became a veterinarian? You remember why you became an instructor because that smile is no longer on your face. And if you're not having fun, I can guarantee you nobody around you is and neither are the horses. So therefore, it's that reminder to connect to nature, to connect. We can call it to connect to Mother Earth. But it is that connection to the heart to come back to your true self, which would be remember. Remember to love, Remember to smile.
1: That's a great um term.
0: yeah we're not living are we we're we're going through the motion and i see so many people existing they're existing Mm, now mm. they're going to blink and wake up and realize that they haven't lived their life fully and so yeah i do look at it every single day of my life one is the attitude of gratitude as much as i can and the other one would be live your best life live your best life because i want these horses when i walk into their pen I want them to smile that I'm there. My wild horses step forward within just a few days. My wild horses, when my clinics are over, come to the gate wanting more. My Uh horses at home hopefully smile when the students walk in to say, hey, do you fancy another day? You know, come with us. Because I always tell everybody here, make it the best five minutes of their life. Make it the best five minutes of their day. If they're going to see you, for half an hour, make it awesome that they don't think that that halter went on their head and they're being dragged to school and they hate it. No, they should love it. They should want more of it, and that is the living life full and having the smile on your face. And you know, I've been I've been big into the reels on social media lately, and it's about capturing that smile, capturing the joy. Because if our hearts are singing. Then pretty much the horses' hearts are singing too, and that is what's so so important.
1: Anna, lovely to talk to you. You know, as I said, when you first when you first started off, you know, there was just that little bit of extra freshness, probably reflected in the cold weather. But um, yeah, I think yeah. it's just you know you say you say things like you know remember to live, love, and have laughter. Well, that's a great way to go. Yep. Anna, thank you again, and um, we look forward to catching up with you again. I'm very interested in your learning styles. You know, can we chat about the 28 learning styles next time?
0: Oh, yeah. We can look at that. Mm, Personalities, mm. 28 personalities in the horses. We can look at that. Yeah. Love to. That be great. All right. Well, you take care now. My best to everybody listening. And hopefully they picked up that golden nugget for their partnership and they can email me or Facebook me at Anna 20 and they can tell me which Golden Nugget really spoke to them. I'd love to and, hear from you. Yeah. yeah. Is Reach Out to
1: Horses, what's the best website? Is it reachouttohorses.com?
0: It is. It's reachouttohorses.com. Yes.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. So if you do want to contact Anna and go to her direct, Reach Out to Horses or through Facebook. That's brilliant, and we'll put your contact details on your page at Horse Chats, so if you're interested, go to horsechats.com. You can search for Anna, search for Twinny, and you'll find some of her previous chats there as well. Okay, thanks, Anna. Good to chat to you, and I'll talk to you soon. Thank
0: you. Bye-bye. Have a lovely rest of your day. Bye. If you've enjoyed this chat,
1: then please comment, rate, and subscribe.
0: If you enjoyed this podcast, then please leave your comment below.